Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. The essence of what we're sharing about is that, you know, there's more to Christianity than just ticking a box on a questionnaire, I'm a Christian. You know, there's more to Christianity than just uh, um, la- having a label, I'm a Christian. Um, you know, th- there's a tangibility to about, uh, about it. It's more than just going to church, although church is part of it and it's a good thing. Um, there's, there's an experience to it in this life and in the afterlife, but in all of life, there's something different than just a different set of beliefs. It's something much deeper than that, okay? And, um, and so that's what we're on this journey of looking at. And today we're going to go uh, uh, into part 16 on it, week 16. And uh, we're going to be looking at basically how these amazing truths of the gospel should change us. Okay? They're not just, it's not just um, great information or exciting revelation, but it's something that's transformation. Okay? And how does it transform us? Okay? Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 from the New King James says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so this shows us that in Christ, the Christian life is something completely new. It's not just um, a continuation of the old. It's a whole new way of life. It's not just a new uh, a set of morals. It's not just a new set of uh, beliefs. It includes those things, but it's a whole new life, okay? But how do we get there? Because, I mean, you you get some, um, uh, uh, how do I say that? You get some people who receive Christ, and you would guess it's genuine, and then nothing changes. (laughs) You know, nothing changes. And so, uh, did they really receive Christ? Possibly. But, but just because you don't see the change, they might just be saved and stuck. You know, and, and they haven't experienced the transformed life yet. And that's where you know, uh, 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 we need to kind of kick into gear in stepping into this new life. Because the new life is not automatic. Okay? Um, yeah, let's leave it there. Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Before we get into it, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, which focuses in on identity in Christ which focuses in on who we are in Christ, and it's got a whole bunch of exciting things in, and then Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 start to get a little bit more weighty, and it's the kind of, uh, 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 things, that it's, the, the kind of things that it says would upset a lot of people, especially in our kind of Western culture. If you were to stand up and read a lot of Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6, people would be like, you know, th- that's a bit heavy. <laughs> that, that's a, a bit extreme. Um, but what the writer is doing, what the Apostle Paul is doing is he's saying, hey, because of your identity, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, this is how you can and should live, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And so, there, you know, it, 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 we're doing a disservice to people when we're just preaching and teaching Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 without the roots of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, because Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is the root of the fruit that we can see in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, like loving one another. You know, you can just teach love one another, and it's a heavy. 
it's legalistic. It's difficult. It's, it's like something that you have to live up to. And it's like, that's difficult. But if you, if you show people how and why they can love others, because they've got love inside of them, they've got Jesus living in them. They've got, they're born of love because they're born of God and God is love. It kind of shows them that they can, not that they have to live up to, but that they can live up to that because they're empowered to live like that. So Ephesians chapter four, one, two, and three from the new living, it says, therefore, I, a prisoner for, the, uh, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, I love this, uh, the start of Ephesians chapter 4. Because Paul's shifting gears. He starts with, therefore, because of, he's saying, in view of everything I've just said, this is, this is what I'm saying to you now. Excuse me. He's saying, you know, I, I, in view of your identity in Christ, in view of who, everything, all the, 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 the realities, the, the new cre uh, creation realities I've spoken about, lead a life worthy of the calling. So, so, so he's saying you've been called by God, and I think that's encouraging for all of us. We, we are called by God. That's great. But now we need to live worthy of that calling. And how does that happen? Because that you can get you you can get legalistic there, but it doesn't have to be. Okay, but it's still true. You should live worthy. And if it, it we should we shouldn't approach it as well. Now I'm feeling condemned. We should approach it if we're feeling. If we think we're feeling condemned, rather discern it as conviction and say, okay, maybe I need to adjust something in my life and I'll show you. It's not a behavior that you need to adjust. It's a belief because the roots of the behavior is always the belief. Okay. And we're going to get there. But then, so he says, you know, you're called by God, therefore lead a life worthy of this calling. Okay. And then he says, always be humble and gentle. Now, you can be gentle with yourself, amen? <laughs> but humble and gentle isn't for you. It benefits you, but who is this for? Other people. So you can see here that he's showing us that Christianity shouldn't be done alone. It's done within community, okay? <clears throat> Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. I mean, that, that, that builds a great community, doesn't Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So he's saying that, hey, because of the love that you have, now make allowance for each other's faults. Overlook the faults. Like, be, be a graceful with each other. That's why I like to call a church a grace community. Because it's a, a, a community where everyone should experience grace, being treated better than they deserve. Then verse 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So, you know, basically what he's saying is that the truth that we say that we believe should impact the way that we live. Okay? We shouldn't only be Christians by label, but by life, by fruitfulness. You know, if all of a sudden you're at work, I've said this often, and then you say to someone, uh, uh, um, or they find out that you're a Christian, they shouldn't fall off their chair in horror. 
because they've been praying for you to become a Christian for so long. And now all of a sudden they, they realize that their prayer has been answered. And then they find out you've been a, a Christian longer than they've been a Christian. You've been a Christian longer than they've been born, maybe. You know, it's like, wow, that's a shocker for them. You know, that, sh that shouldn't be. And once again, this isn't legalism. This is showing you how, what you can do. Okay? So think about it like this. It's like an athlete saying he can break Usain Bolt's 100-meter record. Does anyone know what it is? 9.58 seconds. Okay? If I said I could do that, would you believe me? That's not nice. <laughs> if I said I could do it and I was convincing, like meaning I convinced you just through my words, what would you, what would you expect? To do it. Okay, so we've got a lot of Christians who, who, who profess something which they don't actually demonstrate. I've got Jesus, but show me. So this isn't legalism. This is, hey, you, you said you can do this, so why aren't you? And you shouldn't feel bad for not doing it. You should just feel like convicted that, hey, I'm living way below what I can live. That, that's the point here. So how do we get there? Because this is the important. How do we reach our potential in Christ? Because we're talking about potential in Christ. Every single one of us has natural potential, some more than others maybe. But, but like spiritually speaking, we've all got the same potential. Okay? And that potential is Christ. Okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10 to 15. Now you, you go down. To, to, to some of the, the verses in the middle of that chapter. And we're going to read a couple there. We've gone through this in detail already, but I just want to skim over it. It says, He that descended is the, the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, talking about leadership in the body of Christ and the church, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth should be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness wherein whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him uh, uh, in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And Etienne focused on a couple of those verses last week, but all that I want to pull out there is that it's talking about maturity. It's talking about our destiny as believers, and it's talking about how we can accomplish it. Okay, so what is our potential? Can you hear the crickets? It's Jesus, <laughs> okay? Your, your potential is Jesus, okay? As a, as a believer, that's your potential. This is what God desires for you. How do you get there? It's called maturity, okay? It's not easy always, okay? I've got two sons, six and eight years old, and helping them mature is not always easy, okay? Uh, 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 in the move, one of the things that we helped them with the moving and all that was um, they found two of my pocket knives, which are very harmless to a large degree. And, uh, uh, and, you know, they were very excited about it. They've been wanting their own for a while. And I said, I'll lend you these and let's do this as a test to see how you manage with these. And so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, helping me open the boxes and things like that. And um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's difficult because now they need to 
step up in maturity to be able to handle something like that. And so I can't, uh, um, uh, the eldest kind of closed it and poked himself and it, it wasn't serious, but because it, it's blunt. So it didn't like bleed. But at the same time, I was like, well, the way that you did it wasn't the way that I said, now you lose it for a day. You know, and it's kind of like just helping train him to go in the direction of making, you know, thinking about things before he just does them. That's called maturity. And it's not easy. You know, it, it's difficult for me as well as for him. But it's worth it because otherwise you haven't. And, and I even sat down and I said, you know, if you can't learn the little things like this and I don't help you learn them, you're going to end up one messy adult. <laughs> you don't want to be like some adults that we know. I'd name anyone. I just said, you know, you, you, you want to be someone who's trustworthy, someone who, who, who can, can be obedient, you know. The, the, a similar thing happened with the youngest today and that he, not with a penknife, but he did something straight away, ran after a, a, a card to say goodbye when my wife said, don't do that. And so when he got in, he was, she, he, she was like, well, now, whatever the punishment was, you're not going to have this for the rest of the day. And he was devastated. Rather give me a smack, please. A smack is over quickly. We're like, no. <laughs> It'll be no TV. That was the one, you know. And, and the point is, is like that, that helps them make decisions and grow and learn. And I mean, you know, with us as well, it's like within, this shows us this passage of scripture that leadership in the body of Christ is there to help us to be able to mature. So what I get out of that is that without being in a healthy local church, you can't mature. Without being under good leadership, you can't mature. So it, it shows that you should have good leadership, and it should, shows that there should also be good leadership. Okay? But it shows a couple of things. So, you know, from that, that's one of the things we get from that passage. Let me see what else I wrote, Joe. The, you know, Paul stay, uh, uh, stated that the only way that the church would ever reach its full potential was through every individual member doing his or her part. Uh, the, the gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you know, and, and then all the other gifts that there are. It's like we all have a part to play, and if we're not functioning the way that God's called us to function, then the body is missing out to a degree. We're all missing out you know, on what, what God's put inside of you. So you know, the, the reason Paul was encouraging believers to basically grow up in this passage was because if, if we don't grow up, other people are losing out. Okay? And, and as I was preparing this, I was trying to not make it as strong <laughs> as it is, but I couldn't avoid these verses. You know, it's just like they're there. And it's just showing like grow up or else people lose out. Okay? And I'm not just talking about the person sitting next to you or across the hall from you in this hall. We, we miss out on, on you not functioning like God's called you to function or you not growing up, but the world that, that, that's lost is also losing out because it takes maturity to reach the world, okay? So our immaturity affects everyone. It's costing the mission. But moving along, marks of immaturity, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, verse 1 to 4. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it possible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. 
I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you are still dominated by the, a mindset of the flesh. So now he's, he's talking about what immaturity looks like. So don't identify this in someone else. Identify this in yourself so that you can see, okay, I can grow. Or how can I grow? Okay. It's easy to think of other people right now. I know. <laughs> but but it's, so, so immaturity is a mindset of the flesh dominated by that mindset. Okay. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with solid food of more advanced teaching because you weren't ready for it. Now, let me ask you this question. Is it wrong to be immature? No. Okay, I heard of a, a story where a, a, a professor in a university had this apple, this little, little apple that he picked and he put it on the desk in front and he asked everybody, what's wrong with this apple? And, and, and the students were saying, you know, you picked it before it's time. It, it's too early. You should have left it to grow to be a big apple. And people are coming up with all these things. And eventually he says, there's nothing wrong with this apple. It's perfect for the place that it should be right now. I just picked it before it's time. And so if you find yourself to be immature, it's not wrong. And it, but now you realize that you've got some growth to do. My, my six-year-old isn't wrong for being six and acting like a six-year-old. Amen? But now he needs to mature and grow up. My eight-year-old, the same story. It's not wrong to be immature, but it's wrong to stay there. When you've got a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 60-year-old who's now immature, that's wrong. When they've missed out on de de developmental stages. Now, if you think about the body of Christ, you are Christians who've been Christians for ages. They've got the same Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, they've got Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that, that every single one of us have. And yet they haven't matured the way you have because you're mature and you're awesome. So it's like those people who aren't maturing, I mean, think about it. That's wrong. Okay. But maybe it's just ignorance and then you can't blame them for their ignorance. We just need to love them, feed them the milk, then feed them the meat and help them to grow up. Verse three, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh ask yourselves is there jealousy among you now think about these questions is there jealousy among you do you compare yourself with uh, with others do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides if so this proves that you are living your life centered on yourselves dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers for when you divide yourselves up in groups a Paul group, an Apollos group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Okay? Now, if you're a believer, you've got the Spirit's influence in you. That's good news. Amen? But you're acting like someone who doesn't have the Spirit's influence when you, you fit the, the, the description there. Okay? And if you look at all the descriptions there, it's amazing. It's all talking about relationships it's not talking about you at home by yourself okay it's not talking about you by yourself in the, on a mountain somewhere just you and jesus enjoying each other everyone's mature there <laughs> okay but but all of a sudden put one person with you and things come to the surface put two people and things come to the surface okay 
it, it, then, then it's like iron sharpens iron. And, and this is showing us that immaturity is reflected in our relationships. Not by yourself. But then maturity is developed through partially relationships. Okay? So we need to ask ourselves those questions of, you know, is there jealousy among us? Do we compare ourselves with, each, with others, etc.? And from this passage, we can get some marks of immaturity, not to be negative focused, but just to be able to identify. And, and a couple of them are firstly, that we're led by emotions, not the word. So if you read this, there's a lot of emotions in there. Uh, 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 let me find one. You know, um, jealousy among you. Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? That's, that's clearly emotional. Okay, and you can picture kind of like, a, a, let's say five-year-olds, you know, kind of like fighting with each other. No, you said this and you did that. I don't want to be your friend. Like you can picture that as immaturity, but it happens with adults too. Comparing yourselves to others, you know what? The problem with that is it reveals that you're insecure in your identity. Because you're not secure in who you are in Christ because you maybe don't know. So now you're focused in on, wow, they are awesome. I'm just, I'm not so awesome. Or you think you're awesome and they're not so awesome. You know, pride or pride. <laughs> Either way. So easily given to deception because of a lack of foundation of the word. Showing us that we need the word to help develop us and mature us. Maturity comes through, the, as I said earlier, community, a healthy community functioning in the Spirit's gifts and abilities, which builds us up so that we're able to, uh, uh, um, iron sharpens iron once again. But this also shows us that you can spot an immature believer because they're disconnected from community. Okay? The last one I pull out of there is that, is that there's relational dysfunction, discord, and strife. That always reveals immaturity. Okay, so back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul continues and he says, So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Who walk in their empty delusions. You know, so I, I like this because it's saying, hey, church, Christian, you should be different. As believers, we should be different from the world. We, shouldn't, we should stick out the way we do things, the way we live. Okay? We, we, we had a, a, a Christian relative staying with us for a while. And uh, uh, it was amazing because eventually they, 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 um, they said um, uh, uh, it, it was so difficult for them just to be themselves with us because they, they, they tended to be negative. And every time they, 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 they wanted to indulge in negativity, we were just like, it's not so bad. We were optimistic and we were kind of like, we were Christians, really. You know, <laughs> it's not so bad, like, you know, it'll work out, like God is good, you know. And, and he was a bit frustrated because we weren't going to sit with him on that one. And I mean, that, that's how it should be, that we separate. We're not like the world who, who, who's kind of like always doom and gloom because we've always got hope. Okay, so, you know, from this passage, Paul's encouraging us not to live like unbelievers, but to reach our potential, which is Christ. You've got an enormous potential, which you need to, to rise up to. Amen. That gets into a whole bunch of things there. Talking about the world's evil behavior. Trying to decide if I want to go into all of that quickly, but let's go there. So. 
Yeah, the, the, the world's evil behavior is the result of a couple of things. And, and if we look at what it's the result of, it helps us to avoid that. And it helps us to help others grow out of it. Okay. So number one, the vanity of the mind, okay, which is the absence of any purpose. So a lot of the time, the, the evil behavior comes from the wrong mindset. It's always the wrong mindset. Okay, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Or having our understanding darkened, which is Ephesians 4.18, which is also a, a, a direct result of purposelessness. Okay, then Ephesians 4.18 also says it's separation from God's life, which is spiritual death. The reason the world is like they are is because they don't have God's life in them. We do. There should be a big difference between a Christian and a non-Christian because you've got eternal life in you. You've got a relationship with God. You've got the Spirit of God living in you. How, how could you not be different? And yet we, we, we're often trying to fit in. You know, Ephesians 4.18 also shows that you know, uh, the, the world has a blindness and a hardness of heart, talking about a calloused heart as well, uh, uh, no conscience. You know, if we get to the place where we, we, we don't have a, a conscience, or our conscience is seared, it, 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 it's working against the word, then we're in trouble. And how does that happen? Well, firstly, it happens when we're, we're not in the word to renew our minds to what does God think about something. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, from the Passion, it says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. So genuine worship is, yes, Lord. Genuine worship, what pleases God worship-wise, is a life of yes. Not hitting the right note to the most anointed worship song you can think of. <laughs> okay, that's nice, but God prefers you to be a yes, Lord, man or woman. Okay, I'll do anything for you, God. Then verse 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Okay, we see this in the body of Christ clearly, at, like uh, around the world, is that you've got a whole bunch of Christians trying to be like the world and fits in with the world, but we can never because we've got the Spirit of God in us. There are certain things that we maybe need to, with, it's not compromise, but adjusting packaging to be able to reach the world, but we shouldn't try and be like them because we're different, okay? They'll always think we're weird, no matter what. Then it says, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Now, that's the key there. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So now, how do we experience this transformed life, the Christian life, is by changing the way that we think. Okay? A lot of Christians tend to get behavior modification orientated here. In that... I've got this habit and I want to stop it. So now I'm going to stop it. I'm going to focus on it until it's done. Okay. So what are you focusing on at that time? That habit. Okay. What are you not focusing on? 
Jesus. <laughs> you know, how, how do you deal with the habit? Well, not by focusing on it. How do you deal with the problem that you've got? Not by focusing on it. I'm going to borrow your keys. <laughs> you know, so, so let's say, you know, Etienne is a, a two-year-old and he's got a knife in his hand. Has, has anyone tried to get a knife or something away from a two-year-old? It's very difficult. You can do it, but it's, you know, you have to twist and you have to try and pull it. And then if, if, if you know, the knife is being held very well, you might get cut. Okay. So what do you do? Distraction. And then they fall in love with, with, with something else and they let go of the thing that's damaging them. I mean, that's pretty simple. And that kind of sums it up beautifully. But this is how we change. is just being distracted with Jesus. Just focusing on, on who we are in Christ. Focusing in on... Now, now, how do you do that? You have to be in the Word. You have to see it in the mirror, in the, in the Word. And then as we do that, we, 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 can, we stop, stop focusing in on the, 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 the problems that we're experiencing and the, the things that, that we're wanting changed. And as we're starting to focus on the solution, these things start to change. And things start to get better without even trying. Because your focus is correct. Okay? You know, so we, we change by renewing our minds, by changing our thinking. The problem here is, and I mean, I've taught this in different ways for more than 11 years now. And I've seen the same problem come up after it again and again and again. And that is, we intellectualize it. And we make it an intellectual exercise. And it, you know, it becomes the excuse for everything. You know, you, a bit of immaturity comes up or um, a problem comes up in your life. And uh, 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 people love to say, I'm still growing. I'm just I, just, I suppose I just have to renew my mind there. So it becomes an excuse. The reason why I'm a moron still is because I haven't renewed my mind. And then at the same time, it, it becomes an intellectual thing of, I just need to actually sit down and uh, uh, confess this until I see it coming to pass or, or convince myself or something. But it becomes an intellectual thing when it's not. Yes, you have to get into the Word. Yes, you have to stop saying the negative and, and train yourself to say the positive and train yourself to focus on the positive and not the negative stuff. But the Holy Spirit is the key ingredient which makes that possible. Okay? It's not a case of, uh, uh, you having to do it in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is empowering you to do it. And He's the one who's, who's revealing the truths in the Word to you. So, you know, as you're living your life, you know what He's doing? Is He's saying, hey, look at this. And then you get the opportunity to focus on that or not. You reject it or you accept it. That's why the verses we've been looking at are talking about yielding to the Spirit. We've got to yield to the Spirit leading us and showing us revelation and truth that we need to know. Okay, living the yes, Lord, life. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 19 from the New King James, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. So they don't have the life of God in them, so they can't live like, they sh like we live. But you have the life of God, so you can live like a Christian. <laughs> you can live like Jesus. But because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, what is preventing them from have the, having the life of God? 
the big word with an, starts with an I. Ignorance. Okay? Romans chapter 10 shows us that the reason Israel is not saved is because ignorance. They don't have the right message. They don't have the, the gospel. They're not believing the gospel. Okay, and, and that's, this, show, this is a, a echoing in here to show that the reason why unbelievers are alienated from the life of God is because of ignorance, because of the blindness of their heart, verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with, with greediness. So the point I want to bring out of there, because there's many things that you can pull out of there, but the point I want to bring out is that you will walk according to your mind. You will live according to what you think. And that's what this is showing us. Unbelievers will live according to what they think, what they believe. Believers as well. Even if you as a believer are believing wrong, because how many of you believe wrong sometimes? I, I, I know I have. And I've had to change things that I believe. So, so I know that sometimes I believe wrong, and, and as a result, then I have wrong fruit. I have fruit, but it's not fruit that I want. And so when we don't see the fruit that we want, we've got to ask the question, why? And it's usually, we, then, then the, the temptation is, is to come in and try and deal with the fruit. When you should be going in and dealing with the root of the matter. What is the root of this belief? Uh, the, the, this root? It's a belief. And then you tackle that, that, that root by, by taking the truth of God's word and putting it in there. And the Holy Spirit illuminates it. The Holy Spirit brings it to life and shows you, hey, this is the truth that's going to set you free as you come to know it. Okay, so we will walk according to what we believe. Now, God is interested in our actions. Okay, but he's more interested in your heart. Okay, he is interested in your actions, but he's more interested in your heart because Proverbs 4.23 shows us from the heart, all the issues of life flow. So it's like if you don't like the issues of life in your life, it's because you've got a heart problem. You don't have an issues problem. You have a heart problem. And it might, not, it might be something that is in your life that you don't have control over. It might be something that, that uh, you just need to change your perspective towards until that thing that's maybe some, uh, because of someone else or whatever, is kind of dealt with. But what I'm showing you is that, that you have the, the, the power to adjust the, the situation or the way you're experiencing any situation. doesn't matter how bad it is. Okay? So, you know, we, we shouldn't walk like unbelievers who walk in the uh, futility of their mind. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay, so if we want different fruitfulness, we've got to change the way of thinking. If we don't like something in our lives, we've got to go back to what do I believe about God? What do I believe about what God thinks about me? What do I believe about me? What do I believe about my life? Because a lot of the time, what we believe is actually holding us down. It's not setting us free. Now, what happens when we believe truth? We experience freedom. But when we believe a lie, what happens? It keeps us in bondage. That's why we need to continually be digging into the word and be accepting truth. I've, I, I remember some key moments over the past 
however long I've been a Christian, where I've sat in the Word and I've seen something and I've been like, wow, I didn't realize that I was thinking contrary to the Word in this, in this situation. And I sat there and I had an opportunity to change or not. Everyone has that. But I followed the, the Holy Spirit's leading in those moments and said, okay, you know what, if this is the Word, I'm rather going to go with what the Word says rather than what I've always gone with. Okay? I purposefully don't use examples there so you don't get stuck on that. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What we think about is important. Okay? The, the, this changed my life radically when you know, I was all over the place emotionally and I was uh, 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 struggling with all sorts of things and I was just a mess, really. And I realized out of the issue of the heart, flow, it flows, out of the heart flows all the issues of life. So you know what I did? I kind of studied it out a little bit and I realized, okay, so now how do I guard my heart? Okay, it, it got to do with what I'm focusing on. And then I realized, okay, I've got to change my focus. In this situation where I'm worried about finances, I've got to stop focusing on all the negative things and worries and all of that. And I've got to choose to focus on the fact that God says he's my provider. And I'm going to focus on that. And so every time I started to worry, I rather said, you know what? God didn't bring me this far so that I, God didn't call me to trust him so that I could be the first person to ever see him fail. <laughs> And I would tell myself that again and again and again and convince myself that this is the truth because I see it in the word, you know, and, 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 and therefore don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father provides for them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I would establish myself in these truths. So then, and then I started to experience different emotions. I wasn't worrying about those things anymore but rather when these opportunities to worry came up i was in faith because i had established my heart in the truth of the word okay so if we're carnally minded which is not being word of god minded it's not being focused on on what god says then it's going to lead to death it's going to lead to the negative fruitfulness but if we're spiritually minded it's going to result in life and it's going to result in peace. And I know all of us want that. Okay. So what is spiritual mindedness? I believe primarily it's Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, which says that we should seek those things which is above. Where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. I believe that's speaking about our authority in Christ. I believe that's talking about being focused on Jesus. And then obviously it's, it's being word of God minded. Starting to think like God thinks. How can you think like God thinks? It's when you know what God thinks. How do you know what God thinks? When you read the Bible and when you start to see this is how God thinks. And what's the result of thinking like God thinks? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Then you start to experience the fruitfulness of God. Okay? So we should walk according to the mind of Christ in us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 to 24 says, And be renewed. In the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I want to just, I'll, I'll, we'll come back to this again, but it's talking about how we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Renewing our mind is what brings the transformation. 
Okay. And then it says, you know, part, what the renewing of the mind, the action that needs to go with it is putting on, and this is renewing your mind, putting on the new man, which was created. So the new man is already created. Okay. The new creation is already created. The saint is already created, meaning the saint that, that you are is already. You can't become uh, 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 truly righteous and truly holy because you are truly righteous and you are truly holy. But you might not be acting like it because you don't know that. You don't believe that about yourself. Okay, but when you start to see that that's what God says about you and that's what he's made you, then you can put it on. Okay, it's like that, that now that jacket belongs, you know that it belongs to you and you know that you can wear it. That's your uniform. So now you're truly righteous, truly holy. And now you're going to start to act like it. Now you're going to start to live like it. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 to 24 from the Passion says there, but this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. Talking about all the, the muck that the world gets up to before that. It says, if you have really experienced the anointed one, Jesus, and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. So the problem is largely as well that believers are not hearing the world as well, but hearing the truth of the gospel. Because when we hear the truth of the gospel, the fruitfulness will be seen in our lives. Now, obviously, there's a receiving involved there too. It's it, but it carries on and says, for we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring, spring from delusions. I like the word delusions there. Okay, that, that describes the world perfectly. They're deluded. Okay. But this is showing us that we need to let go of the sinner. Let go of the, 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 the sinner and the lifestyle that the sinner had. Okay? Because if you're a believer, you were a sinner. You're no longer a sinner. And you're not even a sinner who got saved by grace. You were a sinner. You got saved by grace. And now you are truly righteous and truly holy, like that, that verse says. And so we need to start to see that. And we need to let go of I'm rotten. Because as long as you think you're rotten, you're going to act rotten. As long as you think that you're corrupted, you're going to act corrupted. But if you start to think like God thinks about you, then you're going to start to see yourself as a saint. And that goes back to the first part of the series, where Paul addresses us in the beginning of Ephesians as saints, holy ones, set apart. Verse 23. Now it's time to be made new. How are we made new? By every revelation that's been given to you. So it's talking about renewing our minds, receiving truths from the word and from the spirit, and then that starts to change us and transform us. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. So you, there, there's a letting go of the old man, letting go of the sinner. And there's an embracing of the Christ 
in me. It's no longer I that lives, Galatians 2.20, but Christ that lives in me. That's what we have to embrace if we're wanting to see transformation and fruitfulness in our lives. We're embracing Christ in us. Okay? And then it says, and living in union with him. You have Christ in you, but you might still live like a moron. Why? Because you're not living in union with him. How do we live in union with him? We'll get there in a minute. Let's just finish this passage. It says, for God has, past tense, recreated, past tense, you. God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Okay, so how do we live in union with him? Okay, we have to let go and we have to embrace. Okay, we have to embrace Christ within us and we have to live in union with him. John 15 verse 5. Jesus speaking, I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. So the, 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 the strength of the Christian life is living out of this oneness with Christ. You are one with him. He does live in you. you, you you're full of God, but your awareness and your consciousness determines your experience of that a lot of us are just keeping jesus trapped as fire insurance for when we die but we're not experiencing the 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 fruitfulness of the christian life now because we don't know or we're apathetic actually we're just focused on everything else the cares of this world are distracting us Lust for other things is distracting us. Your riches of the world are distracting us. And we're not focused in on the riches that we have in Christ. Because if we were focused on those riches, and it was a focus for us, it would stir up, uh, uh, um, it would stir us up towards fruitfulness, where we would start to be living in this union with Him. Living in union with Him is about having the mind of Christ. Now you're operating in it in your life where you're making decisions like he would make. And you're starting to think about situations like he would think. You, know? you, you have a mind, but you've also got the mind of Christ. You don't always operate in the mind of Christ. Sometimes you're operating in your carnal mind. You know? Someone asks you a question, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? And, and you, you, you pipe up with, this is what I think. But is that what you think or is that what God thinks about the matter? Whatever the matter is. We've got to start to let go of what we think about things and embrace what he thinks about things. And a lot of people are like, but, but then, then I'm losing my personality. Well, it wasn't really a good personality to start with, wasn't it? <laughs> I'd rather have Christ's personality and Christ's thoughts than my own thoughts. And yes, some of that is God-given, and some of that is, is, is good, but not all of it. I would rather say, you know what, this, and I, and I mean, I did that, okay? When, when I was um, uh, uh, finishing off high school, I can remember knowing God's calling me to leadership, God's calling me to influence people, and yet I wouldn't talk to a fly. And so I had to renew my mind, didn't I? Because it wasn't about trying to now all of a sudden be an extrovert. Currently, I'm an introvert posing as an extrovert. <laughs> so I didn't have to now try and change the way I was, but I had to start changing my thinking. So what did I do? 
I was like, okay, I need to, I need, these are all the things that, that I need to kind of stop, but I'm not focusing on that. I focused on Christ esteem, who I am in Christ. And that gave me a boldness. And then I just had to learn some practical things on how to actually connect with people and talk to people and love people, you know, ask, and how to have a, a basic conversation and whatever. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but then I practiced those things. <laughs> you know, it, it didn't happen naturally for me. But the point is I had to let go of certain things and then embrace certain things. I didn't just stay stuck in, well, this is the way God's created me. God didn't create anyone like that. He created us all to be ambassadors for him, which means even if you naturally recharge by yourself and you like your alone time, we're all called to be with people. Even if your cats are awesome. Amen? So, <laughs> in conclusion, you know, we need to change our thinking and we'll change our lives. We need to change the way we see ourselves, change the way we see God, and stop thinking like the world thinks. Start thinking like God thinks. Then you'll start to see things in your... I mean, I'm pretty sure every single one of us wants something changed in our lives. There's something. Whatever that is, it starts with something that you believe. You know, I've thought about this from many different angles, and I can't find anything that doesn't start with a belief. So, so whatever you're wanting changed in your life starts with a, what do I believe that's actually causing this? Or what do I believe that's causing me to experience this situation I have absolutely no control over in a negative way? Because things that you have no control over, like lockdown, you can experience in a positive way if you see it differently. You know, lots of people have suffered under lockdown, business, personal, psychological, all sorts of things. But a lot of people thrive through it. I was speaking to my brother today and he even said, you know, it's really amazing that, you know, so many people are struggling and yet their company is thriving. And it obviously, it just depends where you're at and all sorts of opportunities and things like this. But it's, perspective helps tremendously. We don't, we must be very careful not to become behavior modification orientated. When you see something you want to change in your life, don't focus on that thing. Pray about it. Go, God, what am I believing that's causing this fruitfulness in my life that I don't want? Yeah? Maybe you're you call it a kleptomaniac, someone who steals? You know, someone who steals, maybe that's you. We won't say it's you because you just answered it perfectly. But, <laughs> but, but the, the point is, is like, maybe that's your problem. You like to steal. You know, maybe, maybe God would reveal that you, know, you don't trust him. You know, so that's why you, you, you're stealing from people. You know, or, or whatever the case is, there, there's a root then. It's usually just trusting God. But then you need to go and find scripture on why you can trust God and the fact that he's trustworthy, that he's faithful. And then you, you start to meditate on those things and fill your mind and your heart with those things. And you're like, the trust is no longer an issue for you because you know God is trustworthy. Okay? So what are you focused on? What are you thinking about? Let go of old patterns of thinking and the patterns of acting will slowly change too. You know, I, I grew up hearing uh, 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 our church had this little booklet 
by a very famous South African uh, Christian. And uh, we used to give this out to new believers. And, and at the back, it said, what did it say? It said, Jesus changes lives. If there is no change, there is no Jesus. And that really freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, because whilst it's true, you can't see the change that took place in someone when they received Christ. And then the fruitfulness sometimes takes time because of our thinking. We're just not thinking right, so we don't get right fruitfulness. Because remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if we're wanting to change our fruitfulness, our so is he, we've got to change our thinking. By focusing in on the truth of God's word and filling our minds and our hearts uh, uh, with that truth, and then we start to see fruitfulness. Then we start to see freedom. Okay? Let's turn to Isaiah, last scripture. 26, verse 3. Here's a good example of this. New, New King James says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The next verse is awesome too, but just focus on verse 3 there for a moment. A lot of us want perfect peace. Okay, we want to experience peace. And so we're like, God, drop head and it's like you know we're expecting it to go boom and then you've got peace now peace what is peace peace isn't the absence of problems peace is being secure amidst turmoil we've experienced a lot of turmoil you have the opportunity to have peace or not okay peace is the byproduct of having your mind stayed on him because you trust in him and so when you know he's trustworthy you're focused on him to the degree where hey I can trust God, and then you're just flooded with peace. You're experiencing peace. It's the same thing with joy. Exactly the same thing with joy. I remember being in a service, and I'll finish with this story, years back, and I was standing about five rows back behind this, this guy that I knew, and, and he's about this big, uh, tall compared to me. You know, so I can't miss him. And uh, he's worshiping in front of me. And, uh, you know, I know I should have been worshiping. I was trying, but I was watching him because he was very theatrical. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like crying out to God, like, you know, desperate and crying out to God very genuinely and crying out, God, where, you know, just Lord, I want joy and this and that. And he's crying. And then all of a sudden he's laughing. And, you know, so then I'm watching this and he's laughing and he's laughing. And, and I was like, you know, it's a bit of a roller coaster, but I'm glad that he had his experience. But then I know the guy, and on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I see him, and he's, he's depressed again. And I just come out of all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, you know, I need, to, I, need to, I need to meet up with this guy. So I met up with him for coffee, and I said, you know, um, do you find that you're kind of like emotionally maybe all over the place? And he's like, yes. And I was like, yeah, well, I've got some teaching that I think would really help you. It really changed my life because I was like that, and now I'm pretty constant. You know, I have my days maybe, but I'm more, more, more not than I do, you know. And I said, you know, it just, it's just a focus thing. You know, you don't have to have joy fall on you. It doesn't work like that. It's like from within. And you can live in a place of constant joy, even if you're not laughing all the time. <laughs> and uh, and he, um, he rejected that because he liked that. And he was like, no, he, he's fine. I was like, okay. And the next Sunday, it's the same story. 
you know, crying out for God because he's so desperate, and then he experiences some joy and laughs, and, and then Monday he's depressed again. You don't have to live like that. But where does it start? It starts with a focus in on the truth of the word and changing your thinking. You can be constant because Jesus was constant. Your potential is Jesus. Amen? So, Father, I just want to thank you that you have, have set the benchmark for us, and it's, although it's extremely high, it's Jesus, it's, it's not impossible. It's, it's pretty easy because Jesus is in us and Jesus is living through us. I just want you right now with your eyes closed just to focus on this for a moment. Just picture Jesus in you. We always, you know, because of a, a cool miniseries or whatever, like, um, what's that thing? The Chosen. We, we think of Jesus standing over there, but, but just somehow picture him in you. Picture yourself as one with him, because that's what the Bible says about you. That's what the, the, the gospel says about you. You're one with him. Now, where you, now picture yourself like you're almost like a puppet. Now, he doesn't control you, but picture it like that. If you yield to him in you, he's the one lifting your arm. He's the one that's energizing you. He's the one that's giving you strength. Like uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and is giving life to your mortal body. Picture that. He's giving life to your mortal body. He's energizing you. He's enabling you to overcome that habit, to overcome that addiction. He's enabling you and strengthening you to love people more, to be more patient. You've got it in you because you've got him in you. You're not separated from, from being kind. You're not far from being uh, patient with others or being gentle. Because the one who is perfectly kind and perfectly gentle and perfectly uh, 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 all of the fruit of the Spirit, he lives in you. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now for all of us just to awaken to that reality, that we would awaken to the, 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 the revelation of Christ in us if you're ever in the Cape Town area we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings you can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page Grace Life Rondebosch